Welcome to the Mama Truth Show, where soulful mamas embrace the whole truth of the messiness and magic of motherhood. Check us out at mamatruthshow.com. Here's your host, Amy Ehlers, the Wake Up Call Coach. Happy Mama Truth Monday, mamas. It's Amy Ehlers here, the Wake Up Call Coach, back with another Mama Truth Show. Here's the question for you. Are you ready to truly own your worth? And how does that actually play into your bank account balance? Because if I know anything, I know that your inner mean girl, that inner critic, that voice inside your head is likely beating you up around the bank account and the bedroom. Those are like two of the biggest things that I see that women beat themselves up about. And of course, number three is body and body's probably number one, but I digress. Here we go. So I really want to talk today about the whole topic of money and what it really means to be a wealthy woman and what really understanding the mindset pieces that we might need to shift around it and what we want to teach our kids about money. So I brought on the absolute expert. She is a badass and I'm so honored that she's here with us today. Her name is Amanda Steinberg and she launched The Daily Worth, which is dailyworth.com in 2009 to bring a fresh voice and an outsider's perspective to personal finance. And get this, mamas. Today, Daily Worth's newsletter reaches more than 1 million subscribers. I think she's onto a little something. She's also been doing a whole bunch of cool stuff. She was on Super Souls 100. Forbes named her one of the 21 new American money masters. She's appeared all over the place. And she's also the incredible author of the book, Worth It. Your life, your money, your terms. So with that, Amanda, thank you so much, darling, for being here on the Mom and Truth Show. It is my absolute pleasure, and I can't wait to talk about owning your worth and why women are so confused and beating themselves all, all the time. I can explain that like no one else can. Okay, great. Well, can go we there. Try? Explain it all to right, us. Do it, go. baby. <laughs> here we go. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. here's why everyone's super confused about money, especially women, because Forever, women were valued for being the nurturers, the caretakers, and for being the good girl. My mom was raised in the 1950s, and you know everything was about being a lady. Right. Um, and but then what happened because of birth control and when women entering the workforce and the fact that we were allowed to get loans in 1974 without our husbands signing for them and other amazing advancements in the mm. economy, mm. women became the lady boss. So what happened was we then became in charge in, for lots of different reasons. More than 50% of women are now single, either by choice or by circumstance. All these things happen that put us in charge, but we're caught between two very distinct archetypes of what it means to be a female, the, mm. the good girl and the lady boss, and they're contradictory to each other. So that's why we're, they actually, what it takes to be one is the exact opposite of what it takes to be the other in terms of what's valued and what works. That's why we're so hard on ourselves because we're not really ever sure which one to be. Okay. So let's talk about those two different archetypes. So, so those of you listening, you know, and, and those of you that are familiar with Intermean Girl Reform School and my books know that I have 13 different archetypes in Intermean Girl Reform School. Amanda, you probably don't know this. And one of the archetypes is the good girl. And one of the other archetypes, so I'm curious about the lady boss one, but we have one called the achievement junkie. That's all about achievement, 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 achievement. So I would love to have you talk a little bit about what you mean by lady boss in particular, because I also, like, I have this niggling suspicion that might be also the woman that people call the bitch all the time in the workplace, the woman that's just like a badass, but she's a bitch and that she might be feared and not really loved. But tell me about her and tell me about the good girl as well. Sure. 
So the good girl is really just kind of the classic 1950s. You went to college to get your MRS degree. I think we all know (laughs) what that one looks like. Yeah. Um, And there aren't a lot of pure, there's, there's very few pure good girls or lady bosses these days. Everyone's a mix of both. Yeah. Um, but then as far as the, the lady boss, by the way, I made up these archetypes. We uh-huh. actually do have our own money type archetypal system. I'm using it in a more general sense to illustrate certain characteristics that are yeah. representative of the modern woman. Yeah. So the, the lady boss, essentially, and I'll, tell me if this word makes sense to you. Essentially, she's someone who has agency. Mm. Is it, do you know what I mean by the word agency? <sighs> tell me a little bit more. She's someone who feels as though when she makes a decision, that is what it's going to happen. She's Mm -hmm. in control of directing her life. Mm -hmm. She doesn't have to ask anyone for permission. Mm -hmm. Her life reflects what she wants. She's not running around pleasing other people. Yeah. So it sounds like she's really, really deeply empowered and really empowered in her money decisions and like really in all of her decisions. She she owns her worth. Yeah. That's basically what it comes down to. So do you feel like this is about us as women really morphing from the good girl, like releasing the good girl and stepping into the lady boss archetype? Not necessarily, because I think we're all different. And some people um, really fit the good girl mold perfectly. And some people really fit the lady boss perfectly. I'm definitely lady boss through and through. However, most people are a blend. I think it's about just as far as that inner critic, it's understanding... um, you know, that that's why you feel conflicted because of the tension of trying, thinking you need to be more of one of them than you already are. Right. Okay. Got it. And so then it's like the constant criticism of just please other people will know, go over here. And like, it's like the ping pong effect inside our heads of trying to figure out who the hell we are and what we really stand for. Yep. And it's, or just being with the fact that there's contradiction in how, how we're evolving <laughs> as women. Yeah. And just being like, yeah, I'm kind of confused. I'm going to go with this because it feels right for me right now. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that I know that you talk about is this whole idea of embracing the budget in a different way and really reframing that, which I feel like is one of those things, especially as moms, we can feel very, um, just at a loss of how we're supposed to keep it all together between all of the different expenses that go on in our lives. Duh. It's freaking impossible. It's crazy. It's crazy. And I know that, you know, credit card debt and all of that stuff, the the statistics are staggering of what's going on out there. Talk to us a little bit about that and your philosophy about it. Sure. Well, I think that women's um, uh, struggle with the the budget. I know. I was like, what's the word? Okay. Well, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, around budgeting is left over from the fact that that was from a good girl era where women were given allowances and they had fixed expenses to work within. So, I mean, that that is literally what it's left over from when there was a clear delineation between domestic management and going out and making money. And so her budget was fixed. So everything that she needed to do was to figure out how to save $10 here and how to save $5 there. Today, women are also earners. So we have certain things that we can do. They're going to have a way bigger impact on our spending than the $5 we save at the supermarket. However, because we've been conditioned to focus on budgeting as like the end-all be-all of money management, we try to do that, but it's like a disconnect of focusing on the trees when you need to get the forest first. So what's the forest? So the forest is your net worth. Mm -hmm. So if you're... If you're married, this is the single golden number. This is your North Star. 
So if you're married, it's your net worth with your husband or your domestic partner, however that works. Or, and if you're single, it's just for you. And basically you look at how much is your, the value of your home worth if you own one, how much is in your retirement accounts and your investment accounts, and in very distinct circumstances, how much is your business worth? But let's leave business out of it for right now. Okay. Then what you subtract, I'm sorry, add in your cash as well. Then you subtract from that the balance of your mortgage, the balance of your credit cards, the balance of your student loans, et cetera. And what you're left with is a single number that's your net worth. Now, you could be making $200,000 a year, but still be negative 200000 net worth. That's normal, especially if you have student loans or other things, mm-hmm. especially if you didn't put a lot of down on your mortgage and you're paying a lot of interest at first. That's fine. Negative net worth doesn't mean that it's bad. It just means that you need to start focusing on what is going to make it move in a positive direction so you don't go further negative. Like my, the house that I bought when I was 25, I had no idea... I thought houses were investments. I didn't realize that I was going to put so much more money into maintaining the house than its appreciation to the point where it became a $100,000 liability of what I thought was going to be an investment. So the thing to focus on is your net worth. It's not about the $5 here and the $10 there. It's what are the major structural items in your life that are going to enable you to build positive equity. So I know that there's probably moms that are listening right now that are freaking out because they, like they, like you said, they might have a negative net worth or they don't even know what those numbers are because I know, and, I, and oh my gosh, I've talked to so many, and Amanda, I know that this, I'm like preaching to the choir here, but it's like, I can't believe how many women, especially women entrepreneurs that I have talked to that have no freaking clue about what's going on with their money. And they're, and they're, and it, and I know for me, about, I would say five, six years ago, before I had my second daughter, my husband and I did a whole process where we got, as we called it, financially sober. My friend Mike <laughs> said, you need to get financially sober because it felt like no matter how much more money I was making. I'm totally borrowing that, yes, by the way. Please. I will credit you. But, it was oh, like, oh my I gosh, like it. we need to get sober. We are, you know, this is insane. So we got financially sober and we started doing things like looking at our net worth, like profit and loss, not just for my business, but profit and loss for our, our household. Because yes. like, why is it that I'm making all this money, no matter how much money I make, I, it's going to debt. Like, I don't understand like what's happening here. So we had to go through that process of getting financially sober and it was freaking painful, painful. We were going through withdrawals of like, oh my gosh, what do you mean? How can this be possible that we're spending that much on eating out every single I know. Day? Can I just say, I run a course at Daily Worth called Money Clarity. Yeah. I literally hold like a hundred women a month going through this process. So I've, I, and I know that moment, there's, there's a specific section of the program where it's called fine print, where you actually do look at your cash flow, yeah. and there's like a solid three hours for everyone. You're like, oh, <laughs> it's like, it's so hard to look at, but then you see it and there's, there is like a manifestation that happens afterwards. So, but the right. first part is really painful. Yeah. Well, and I think that, you know, ignoring it is not going to make it any better. And when we look at the fact that women are still under earning men, it's like that, I, I, I feel like uh, that, like being that nebulous thing out there of like, oh, our money, I don't know, my money, I don't know. It's, it's part of what has us underestimating ourselves. It's part of what has us not go in and ask for a salary negotiation. It's part of what has us not say, when we do have a salary negotiation, ask for 30% less than men for doing the same job. I mean, the statistics around this stuff are staggering at how we always underestimate ourselves, which is why I'm so happy that you're doing Daily Worth and that, of course, that you have a book like Worth It so that we can actually get behind this more. 
Mm. Yeah. And, but I, can I just give up for all the women who haven't paid attention to this, yeah. who are still listening. Thank you so yeah. much for still being here. Um, I know some people are like, okay, I've had enough to go by. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> that actually the good girl is supposed to ignore her money. That's what makes her feminine. Oh, okay. I just got chills. Tell me more about that. So part of being a good girl means you know that money is a man's job and that's part of what makes you good. Mm -hmm. And so to spend money that puts you into debt, that makes you look pretty over money that say could allow you to retire independently with choices in your lives is in fact what makes you fit the good girl archetype. And so can that archetype work for women if they have a man or a partner in their lives that's just handling it well? Yes, absolutely. There are marriages that exist out there and the reverse is true too. Really, really happy marriages where the partnership just works. One's in charge of the finances. The other one isn't. And everybody is going to live happily ever after. Absolutely possible. However, there's always unknowns that happen to a certain percentage of them. And that's where it becomes heartbreaking. Yeah. Where it's like, I, you know, I wonder like, can anyone, even men, I encounter men all the time who are like, oh, my wife handles all the finances. I have no idea what we spend or what we earn. Yeah. Um, and for all, for everyone like that, it's like, you know, life can, can sometimes deliver some really frightening curveballs. And, you know, is it worth it to you to stay asleep around this stuff because it's so comfortable for you? And what are you putting at risk? You know, it's just a, it's just a question. I, mean, I can't answer that for you. It's just, you know, knocking on the door. I'd rather be me knocking on the door, making you a little bit uncomfortable right now than the prospect of what could happen. Right. Right. So, you know, it's kind of esoteric. It's kind of, you know, it's mostly hypothetical, but there we have it. We've covered it. <laughs> right. Well, and I think that most of us have either ourselves have experienced that kind of wake up call where things are not as they should be, or someone gets sick or someone is, you know, or we know someone who's been through that scenario. I've and known plenty of people who've had horrible health things happen to them where they're then responsible for someone else. And yeah. yeah changes everything. Yeah, absolutely. So I know on that, that happy note. I know, <laughs> on that, right? on that inspiring note. Yes, let's exactly. have some fun. Can we talk about some fun uplifting stuff yes, before yes. everyone starts crying? Okay, yes, good. Please. Thank you. Please, what do you want to talk about? Tell us something fun and uplifting. I want to tell you that I have been on this journey. I got my um, because I've had a lot of financial curveballs in my life. I'm divorced. Mm. I got a sixty thousand dollar tax bill. I had to pay $30,000 for windows in my house at 10 years. I'm still paying that off. Not anymore. But um, I, you know, I run a startup company where my salary is fixed. And on years when we don't read our, meet our venture capital goals or our revenue growth goals, I get a massive pay cut. Sometimes I even have to go off payroll in order to pay for the business to continue operating. Stuff wow. like that. So, you know, I've, I was always living on 60% of my net income goes towards my house and 20% goes towards my um, like fun stuff or variable expense. The other 20% goes towards cash savings and retirement. Well, guess what? That 20% towards cash savings and retirement at times has not been enough. Yeah. So as I've often, I put myself in the public as kind of an example, what I just did, I took a bold move. I was spending about 30% of my net income on my house previously. Mm-hmm. Um, I got rid of the house and I just moved into a rental apartment that cost me 15%. And I want to talk about this of my wow. net income. 
it cost me, it's like $2,000 a month down from like 3,500. So the, um, the thing about this apartment, even though I looked at it and I was like, oh my God, this place is tiny. Yeah. The thing, the thing that's been incredible about moving here is that my kids used to be in different rooms behind screens. Like my son would be upstairs and my <laughs> daughter would be behind a wall and I would be in the kitchen making dinner, staring at my laptop and stuff. <laughs> and everyone was really separated. Yeah. And then on top of that, there was always like leaves to sweep and a lawn to mow. I even, a neighbor even called like the authorities once because my <laughs> lawn got so high. I'm like, I live in like the hippie community of Philadelphia. I'm like, you know, seriously, I'm composting. Leave me alone. But, um, but the, but you know, it's just this house, even though it was like a reasonably sized house, it created all these separations and barriers mm. and responsibilities and things breaking and all these costs. And I've moved in this tiny space and I can, and my kids and I were always together. We're never more than one wall apart, mm-hmm. um, which is why you can probably hear the TV behind us, but that's just yeah. the way we roll here now. Yeah. And I can, I can clean the whole thing in 15 minutes, mm. like the whole thing, unload the dishwasher, fold the laundry, everything's within like arm's reach of each other. And I now have this like, you know, this very soothing, calm, um, simple space. And I got to tell you, there there is in it, there is this massive benefit to downsizing both in terms of cost as well as lifestyle mm-hmm. and i highly encourage all of you who have these big unwieldy lifestyles where money is just bleeding from you left and right to look at this mm. I feel like it's such a challenge, especially when, you know, it's like, what are the values that we want to pass down to our kids about what we really value? What's the impact been on your kids of being in such close quarters and being so much closer? Has it been mostly positive for the most part? I can, I can imagine that there might be times when they miss having a little bit more space from everybody. Nope. They love it. There are eight and 11. Yeah, interesting. Mm. They Love it. My daughter has, they now have a bunk bed where my daughter sleeps on top of my son. (laughs) I I thought there was going to be arguing about it. Not at all. They were getting out of the car the other morning to go to school. My daughter hugged my son for like two minutes. um, There's less stress. There's more love. There's more togetherness. Mm. Um, You know, sometimes we're forced to watch TV shows that no one else wants to watch, but we're together. We're not all in these like separate isolated compounds. And, um, and no, and they feel safer too. Cause you know, it's scary sometimes to be on another room or to go to sleep far away from mom and dad. Yeah. So no, I mean, well, granted, we've only been here three months. So maybe we're in a honeymoon phase and my son is 11, yeah. going to turn 12. Um, but I can't like, I'd like, I'm not going to move into an RV. That would be a bit extreme. Um, <laughs> not one of those tiny houses. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, but yes, one of those tiny, I mean, the tiny house thing is I, I'm, I'm already pushing the limits of some of these closets here, but, um, <laughs> but I, I just, you know, I just, I really love the fact that we're not all separated by walls and screens. It's, it's, and we're saving, you know, $1,500 a month. That's incredible. In. Yeah. That's incredible. Well, I've, I think that is super inspiring. And I think just the whole thing of like where, whether it's your home or extracurricular activities or eating out or, you know, help around the house or whatever it is, it's like where, like the question that I keep asking is like, where could we downsize? Like what else could we downsize? I wonder what we could downsize. And it's so interesting because I feel like in our society, we're so programmed for more, 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 more. It's about getting more. It's about having a bigger house, a better car, getting in line for the new Tesla, like whatever it is. 
And or, I want to challenge that though. Is it about yeah. having more, more, more? Or is it about having a certain baseline of this is what people like me have and I definitely couldn't have less? Mm. Like people like me don't drive a car like that or people like me don't live in an apartment in our mm-hmm. type of neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Those types of like that just doesn't fit. You know, I, I never thought growing up that at age 40, um, living in Philadelphia, which is a very inexpensive town relative to San Francisco and New York, yeah. that I wouldn't be living in a house. You know, it just seemed like the healthy thing to do for children, you know, to have the yard, to allow them to be outside and stuff. You know, they barely went outside. My son plays Minecraft, <laughs> like, is what it is. Yeah. You know, it was this lawn to mow. But no, but I'm just, you know, it's like, yeah. it's just what, where is it? What ideas did we get about what our life is supposed to look like? And can we really afford that? Beautiful financial sobriety right there. Sorry. I, you know, I'm, I'm coming <laughs> off a little harsh tonight. It's just, <laughs> I like it. I'm in a, I'm, I'm in, I'm feeling kind of aggressive. I think it's because we brought out the lady boss early on. I and like then, it. No, I think it's great. And that's what the mama truth show is about. Like, just, let's just tell the truth. Mom, right, like, well, instead we, of we, like BSing around, like we just need to tell the truth and tell the truth, get to the truth about our money, get to the truth about where we're overspending, get to the truth about how we could downsize, get to the truth about how we can actually build real net worth in our lives. And, what I, have a, and I have a question for everyone that yeah. is just help you answer all this. Yeah. Where are you spending money on things in your life to make other people happy that you don't actually care about? And is it actually making them happy? And does that impact you? Mm. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Where are you spending money because it's going to make somebody else happy, Mm -hmm. but you don't really want to spend money on it? And is it working? Has it changed anything about your life? I love that. And I think especially like when we look at that with our kids, like specifically, where are we spending money on our kids? Because we think it's what we're supposed to do. We think it's like it's keeping up with the Joneses of activities or this or that or whatever, because we think it's going to make them happy. And is it even working? Like, is it even effective? Are they even happier because they're in that blah, blah, blah class that's costing, you know, $500 every semester or whatever it is, you know? Yep. And that, I, I think that's really powerful because at the end of the day, like, like you're saying with your downsizing project, our kids just want to be with us. Exactly. They just want to be with us. They just like, want to be with My us. daughter is behind the computer right now as I'm talking to you doing cartwheels back and forth. <laughs> she does cartwheels from the moment she wakes up in the morning until she goes to sleep. And I think she even does them in her dreams. But yes, <laughs> she's with us, listening to everything that I'm saying. I don't know if you hear the thud every two, 20 seconds. I don't think Sorry, so. Because there's a thud in my apartment every 20 seconds as she goes back and forth, back and forth. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I love it. Um, so I know you have this new program called Create Worth at createworth.com. Will you just tell the mamas a little bit about that specific program? Yes. This is for anyone who's ever thought, you know what, I'd like to hire a financial advisor, but then you go out and look for a financial advisor and none of them seem to want to work with you. (laughs) (laughs) The financial advisor reject pile. Yeah. Which is basically anyone who doesn't have a million dollars, which is what we figured out. And so we thought, huh, well, that's kind of ridiculous that no one's figured out how to do this. So what we have done is we've created Create Worth as a five-month 
financial planning and education course for those who aspire to have a million dollars one day. Mm. And that means that you could have zero right now, you could have mm. negative, or you could have 200,000, 300,000 in retirement assets. Um, and the way we do that is because it is a flat fee um, five month course that also includes community and education where you're learning as much from each other as you are from our two licensed advisors at our, we own an investment advisory called Worth Financial as well as Daily Worth. They're the same company now. Got it. Um, and so Create Worth is, yeah, you can go to createworth.com. And if you are looking for a financial plan, but you've never really found a financial advisor that you're comfortable with, come check us out and see if we are right for you. Awesome. So that again is createworth.com. And when you say have a million dollars one day, do you mean a million dollars of net worth or do you mean a million dollars of retirement funds that you can live off of? Retirement funds that you can live off of. Retirement funds that you can live off of. Awesome. Can't think of any mom that does not want that. <laughs> so definitely. Well, it's, it's, the, the base, it's the minimum that you need in order to be able to retire one day. So many of us are going to work until we die and it's not our fault. The system is deeply, deeply, deeply broken. But yeah. if, you want, if you want to be the one that breaks out and manages to get there, we're the program that's designed to help you make sure that you're doing all the things right now that are going to make a difference 20 years from now. Awesome. Thank you so much, Amanda. I'm so glad that you're doing that. I'm so grateful. That Somebody's you- got to do it. I mean, My God. Uh, geez. <laughs> Yeah. Do you know? Do you know how much money I could make as a computer programmer? Do you know how much money I made? I don't need to do that. I'm kidding. I do. Have to, <laughs> this is the only thing I need to do. It's the most important thing, and um, and it astounds me that there's not more competition for what we're doing. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I get that most people just want to go after the big, you know, behemoth people and don't want to have to deal with the little people. And they do. They're all trying to say my minimum's three million, my minimum's five million, yeah. and I'm like. Well, like, what about everyone else? So now we're for everyone else. For women specifically, though, because it's also about you moving into a place of agency. See, I'm bringing it all back. Awesome. Okay, so let me ask you one final question. This is a question I ask all Mama Truth Show guests. Mm-hmm. What is messy and what is magical about motherhood for you these days? What's messy about motherhood is the fact that we keep forgetting that my, when my kids have field trips or something. So they're like the kid that shows up without the right shirt and without the packed lunch. And it just sucks being that kid. I did it again this morning. And my ex-husband and I, we try, we try to put things on each other's calendars for each other. Like we try so hard and we still miss. And this morning was one of those mornings. And like we had to run to the convenience store. Anyways, that was it. <laughs> I'm raising my hand with you and laughing yes. because I so but know. So sad. I I'm I feel so bad for oh. my children that we cannot seem to remember when it's like a special day that they're supposed to wear something. And see, all the other parents remember. We don't. I don't know. Oh. Does your school have a Google Calendar? No. I yes, but uh, you gotta you gotta import that. Import oh, that. Oh, okay. Good idea. All right. I'm import 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 Ooh. it import it into your calendar. Unfortunately, then you'll Importing. have a calendar that looks like mine where. Um, where You're there's like the like, middle school like, oh that you don't have a middle no, schooler today. The, um, no, well, I have, well, I have a, a fifth grader and then my preschooler, but like for my fifth grader, it's like on my calendar will be like assembly of the blah, blah, blah. Like the, you know, whatever ridiculousness is on my calendar, but it's all color coded. So I know, oh, that's the school calendar. So I don't really need to worry about that, but that has helped tremendously. 
Thank you. So a little tip, here you go. I usually don't give advice when people share their messy, but I don't know, Amanda, you brought it out of me. Okay. I, you know. I think because I'm so can relate. Um, what's yeah. magical about motherhood for you? Oh, what's magical about motherhood? It was when my kids hugged each other the other day yeah. for no reason. I was like, oh my God, they don't want to kill each other. They actually love each other. How did that happen? So I don't know, but I was just really happy to see that they love each other. And uh, I don't know. They're, they're, I don't know. Why is that special? It wasn't my experience growing up. We were all like throwing nail polish containers at each other's heads. <laughs> so you I don't know. So but uh, I don't know. That was, that was magical to me. That is That's super cool. magical. I love it. Okay. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for being here on the Mama Truth Show. Again, everyone, check out createworth.com, dailyworth.com, and Amanda's fantastic book, worth it. Your life, your money, your terms. And I always like to say, buy a copy for yourself, buy a copy for a friend, and then buy a copy to just have around. And then you'll be having someone over and someone will say something and you'll be like, oh, I have the book for you. Or you can live, leave them one, like one of those little free libraries that are all over neighborhoods, at least where I live. I don't know what's happening, yeah. but there you go. So buy three copies, share it with your friends, share the show. As always, it's the biggest compliment you can give is when you share the Mama Truth show. So with that, everyone, it's Amy Ehler signing off, reminding you to keep embracing the messiness and the magic of motherhood. Until next time. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening, mamas. Did you know that Amy has a new ebook out? It's called Sacred Self-Care for Moms, Seven Steps to Nurturing Yourself So You Can Be the Mom You Were Born to Be. And you can receive your free copy by going to sacredselfcarebook.com. That's sacredselfcarebook.com. And please don't keep the Mama Truth Show a secret. The biggest compliment you can give is to share the Mama Truth Show with your loved ones and write a review on iTunes. Until next time, keep embracing the messiness and the magic of motherhood. <laughs>